0: John, if you'll come closer, I just want to say a quick word about you. John is a servant uh, par excellence. I use a little French there. That's about all I know. Oui, bonjour. Uh, but but uh, John is just a servant of the Most High God, does so much for you as a body. And you may probably already know this, but if you go out in the River Kids Hallway, there's been a tremendous transformation in that hallway over the last few weeks. And John has been the, if, can I say ramrod? You've been yeah. the guy in there getting her done. And many nights, uh, even though he was calling for help, sometimes that didn't all work out. And he was here till late in the evenings by himself, pulling all that together. But we thank you so much for all that yes. you do for Living Waters Church. He's a deacon on our board and uh, serves us so well. He serves in the, the River Kids ministry. John, we just want to present you with this little gift card and a thank you from the elders of the church. You are thank an you. awesome fella. We love you. And so I'm going to turn you loose and uh, praying that God's going to just really speak powerfully to us today through you. You're his vessel. So be at liberty to do all that God's put on your heart to do today.
1: Thank Amen. you, Philip. All right, brother. Appreciate you.
0: All right. White
1: Castle, I'm sure. White Castle, I'm sure, and the gift card. I don't know what it is about White Castle. We, uh, I think it gets a bad rap. Every once in a while, it's like manna from God or something like that. I'm sure the folks that were complaining about the quail back in the day would have loved a, a slider. <laughs> I'm sure they would have just loved a slider, you know. That's that's it. Well I'm I'm full up, I'm full of energy. I still have, you know, turkey power going in my my blood right now, I think. So uh uh kind of excited, kinda of nervous, although everybody looks mostly friendly here, I think. So you know you know. Hugh you're a little intimidating, but other than that, uh my man. That's good. So good to see all y'all. Um uh, Before I get started into uh, this message and give you the title and all that, uh, I like apologetics. And and apologetics isn't like, oh, I'm sorry for believing in the Lord. No, it's giving a uh, uh, defense of your faith. And so I like science that helps to prove your faith or archaeology that says, yes, this is where the um, Moses was on the mountain, or all the different things that, that kind of come together to help boost and bolster your faith. And uh, my friend, the scientist, uh, Nathan, probably will like this, this. Just recently, I've been reading a book by Eric uh, Metaxas. Uh, it's written on uh, Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite authors. He's written some very ni- uh, nice things, deep Deep stuff. I mean, he does a lot of research into this stuff. But in 1966, there was a there was a magazine article, Time Magazine. The, the headline was, Is God Dead? And in 66, that kind of pushed the thought that, you know, God can answer a few things, but the fill in the gaps in between God is science, okay? And, and it put in there a lot of uh, science slash equals atheism because you can't obviously have God. That's just beyond the realm of science. But he put together a book, kind of a play on words uh, on the Is God Dead? He said, Is Atheism Dead? And that's a, a fairly recent book. Now, if you're interested a little bit more in this subject, in this book, uh, you can YouTube Eric Metaxas, uh, Is Atheism Dead? And there's like all sorts of interviews and things like that if you want to get the book as well. I got his, his book on Kindle. Uh, but what happened is that over the past several decades, 50 some years or so, science has gotten more and more uh, actually beyond. Science it, It's gotten to the point where so many things that science has determined lends itself to the belief in a creator. In a creator. Way too many things that they're evident, being able to record and evidence way beyond the realm of possibility, coincidentally, for life. For example, back in uh, the 60s, uh, no deciding to mentioned and declared there was only two things that's necessary for life on a planet. A sun, a star about the size of our sun, and a planet about that distance that Earth is from the sun. And in a galaxy, and in galaxies, and in the universe, there could be billions of other Earths, folks like us, and all that. That's all you needed was those two things. A sun, planet, with that proper distance between. Well, science and has since been able to determine that, oh, there was actually an actual beginning. There was, there was a beginning to the universe. And more and more and more, there's situations, there's uh, aspects that had to happen just right. You no know, Goldilocks and the three bears? She liked that just right. And one's too hard, one's too soft. She wanted that one that was just right. Same with the, with the earth, with life, with gravity, with water, with our position in the galaxy, our galaxy's position in the universe. More and more and more, they said if anything was slightly out of tune, and this is called by science, the uh, fine-tuning theory, okay, fine-tuning that if anything was off by even just the slightest, life couldn't exist. Life couldn't exist. I'm a Star Wars fan. I liked Star Trek back in the day. And so, of course, those thoughts are, you know, you hop to planet to planet and see all these other lives and stuff. Like, what they were finding is... uh, chances are, practically zero, that there's even one more like Earth. Okay, And this is not just our belief, not just our faith saying so. This is scientific research. Very fascinating. I find it encouraging. Okay, So many things. The size of the Earth, the angle of the Earth, uh, gravity, uh, the impact of our moon. Did you know our moon is one of the biggest moons in our solar system. Now, Jupiter has one that's actually physically bigger, but relationally, ours is huge. It's odd, but it serves a purpose. It it intercepts meteors and asteroids. It keeps the tides going. It does an awful lot of things. Um, Our exact placement in the galaxy. If we were slightly closer to the center of the galaxy or slightly further, they've determined that that, they can go. I won't get into all the science because I don't understand it all. I just found it entirely fascinating just the huge, huge coincidences (laughs) over and over and over again all put together in one that allowed us to have life on earth. Another thing is that, uh, and I haven't even gotten to this part of the book, archaeology, there's some recent archaeological uh, findings that more and more prove. Uh, One of them was that they, they believe, they discovered, science, not necessarily believers, discovered the location of uh, Sodom that was destroyed by a meteor, apparently. Uh, there's other archaeological uh, evidences. And I like the book, and I know, Larry, you like the book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict by uh, Josh McDowell. It's, it's along this line. It's along this line. But it, it catches it all up for the last uh, however many years. So it, it's uh, uh, very intriguing. Anyway, I recommend it. That's kind of what, what's been uh, getting me excited about some of the things. You should be excited about that, you know. So the, the overall theme is atheism dead is atheists, those that don't believe in the existence of God, different from an agnostic, those who pretty much choose not to believe in God, okay, but those that don't believe in God, if they're truly searching, the evidence is leaning so far away, and that's the title of his book, is Atheism Dead. Is atheism dead? And he concludes that they don't have a whole lot of leg to stand on. All that science that was supposed to be the answer, is not. They still can't answer how life actually happened. They still cannot answer that. And there's been a lot of research, a lot of money poured into this. Uh, uh, He interviews scientists, those that are uh, believers, those that aren't, those that are atheists. I mean, he's got a wide array of things. It's done well. His his book is done well. So if you want to be encouraged in that way, that there is a God of the universe, he is a creator, uh, does it definitely prove that there is a God over everything? No, but the evidence is overwhelming. The evidence is overwhelming. So I would encourage you to to take a look at that. Uh, Look at some of those interviews with him on YouTube or or take a look at the book. Uh, Anyway, so that God that uh, created the universe... uh, gets downright personal with us, okay? It's downright personal with us. I love the messages this month. And I kind of joked a little bit. I says, well, we had Doc Shell, we had Buddy Berry, Stephen wrapped it up. I feel like the guy with the broom at the end of the ticker tape parade. <laughs> you know, just let's, let's clean this thing up here, okay? But if you get a chance, listen to those three messages again. Again, if you haven't for the first time, listen to him again. Uh, From Buddy's message, Buddy Berry's message two weeks ago, he presented a formula. He says, never fails. He says, our expectation plus effort equals experience. Okay, Powerful, powerful testimony and message for us. But one thing he did say is that the hardest part was the effort. I picked that out. I mean, I listened to it again. I picked that out. So he says, he said, the hard part was the effort. Uh, and I think today, in an effort to talk about that effort, okay, I want to bring forth three aspects that I think will hold true towards the effort. Okay, uh, In biblical accounts, in accounts of revivals, and personal accounts, these three aspects... Uh, toward living our Christian life, I think, are this, include, and our title today, Let Go, Hold On, and Hang On. Let Go, Hold On, and Hang On. I'll tell you what, when I was running my title by some folks, uh, my niece, Sarah, was there right off the bat, broke into song, let it go, let it go from Frozen, you know. And and the rest of the family kind of joined in. Nobody knew any other words other than let it go, let it go. So I don't even know what the song is about other than it's from the movie, and we saw it a bunch of times when we were watching children. But uh, anyway, so I, I want to talk about these three aspects, and I think I've got a little bit of, you know, some biblical uh, background for these uh, these things all apply to levels of the Christian walk, okay? As, as I see it, from getting saved to desiring to go to the higher levels in your walk with Christ, no matter where you're at, okay? Now, I like watching movies. Uh, I'm just sick with it, I guess. And one of the more memorable scenes from uh, Star Wars is when Luke Skywalker is being mentored by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi at the very beginning, the first one that came out. And uh, he's got his lightsaber he was just given, and, and uh, he's got this ball that shoots things at him, and so he's supposed to deflect it and learn how to do the thing. Well, it, Obi-Wan puts a helmet on uh, where he couldn't see, and he says, Let go of your feelings, Luke. You know, release, let go of your feelings, you know. So that that's a, a, a line that sticks with me, but there's a lot of things I think we need to let go of, okay. Another movie I like watching, uh, Indiana Jones, and this one was that last crusade. Towards the end, it's, they have the Holy Grail. They have the cup of Christ where he found it. And at the very, very end, he loses it, and it's on in the midst of a big pit where he could barely reach it. And he's reaching, but he's holding on to his father. He's reaching, says, I think I can get it. I think I can get it, this thing of great worth. And his father said, who'd been searching for this thing his whole life, let it go. Let it go, Indy. Okay? So there was a time. So there is a time to let go of some things. Uh, I mentioned uh, in the Bible account uh, with Peter walking on the water. Okay? We heard that in the sermon uh, through our Matthew series not too long ago with Stephen. And that kind of was the inspiration for this let it go and hold on part of my message. But Peter let go of the safety of the boat, even though there was waves and such. there was safety in that boat, right? He let go of that. In order to step out, in order to step out and walk towards Jesus. Well, as he was thinking, now he needs to hold on, right? Now he needs to hold on. So, uh, you know, quickly he had to hold on because, you know, he was uh, going to be in peril on that. There is a scripture, and this scripture come on, and these are Jesus' words concerning let go, hold on, and hang on. And Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, must let go of their stuff, must deny themselves and take up their cross, hold on, what I have to offer, and follow me. Okay? For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for your soul? So right off the bat, these first three verses, let go, hold on. And then this last one. For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done. Hang on. Hang on, okay? It's going to get fun. It's going to get fun, all right? So so that verse, those verses right there kind of uh, has that whole let go, Hold on and hang on uh, right there. To go after Jesus, the first thing to do is to let go. So many things in our lives that we need to let go of. Okay? And, you know, I think that's kind, that can be a problem for salvation or some, maybe somebody who's fallen away or whatever. They, they, it's a, I, I don't want to become a Christian. Now I would have to let go of my habits, my... Uh, my games, my movies, my lifestyle, my whatever, uh, they see Christianity as a bunch of don'ts. Okay, Don't do that. You know, you won't be able to do that. Stop cussing. Stop this. Stop that. And I think it's a stumbling block. Okay, I think we need the rest of it. Okay, Maybe there's something you let go, but there's something you need to hold on to. For the bigger reward, hang on for what's going to happen. Okay? Uh, Some of the things we may need to let go, Uh, you know, to surrender. Okay, that's another good term. That's another whole series, Uh, to surrender, uh, to repent, to release or relinquish, okay? To sacrifice, okay? That's letting go. You sacrifice something to let go. Uh, The next verse is uh, Isaiah 41.10. Maybe one thing you have to let go is fear. As I read it in the Bible, and I know I've said this before, uh, throughout they talk about fear not. The Lord sees some somebody, Joshua, uh, Gideon, uh, others. He says, "Don't be afraid. Fear not. It's not like pray to me and maybe I'll make you not afraid. It's not that. It's like a command. Fear not. Stop it. Don't fear." Is it, is it tough? Is that something we have to let go Some folks like to hold on to that fear. You know. Some folks like to hold on to that fear. So in, this, in Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Well, oh, There's something to hold on to. So there's let go. Let go of your fear. Hold on to me. Do not be dismayed. Is that another command? Don't be dismayed. Okay? Is that another command? For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Good promise. Other things that uh, to let go of is our own will. Our own will. Uh, quite often, our own will gets in the way of, of God's will. Okay? Our pride. Let go of that. Okay? Uh, next, ver- in, uh, let go of our own understanding. In uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 8, okay? Uh, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. We have to give up our own wisdom. Wise in our own eyes, as we used to say uh, you know, to the kids. You know, you're just wise in your own eyes. You, know, you, just, you just think you're wise. Okay? Stop it. Okay? But anyway, the Bible says do not deceive yourselves. If you think you're wise, let it go. Let it go. Got to let go of worldly views and things of this world. Next verse in John fifteen nineteen. Okay. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Okay. What are worldly views? Well, I, as I started, you know, some of the worldly views may be that science is the answer there's no creator evolution is is a proven thing and there's no opportunity for uh, you know and, and that was the origin of life some of these are worldly views we may still hold on to might even be the law might even be the policies okay but is that something that we as christians need to let go need to let go some worldly views a lot of worldly views out there that coming around, uh, just just be alert. Is that a stumbling block to what God has for you? Is that a stumbling block? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. One of my little notes that I found somewhere says that be still in the Hebrew can be Translated as, let go. Let go. I found that very interesting, especially since that was the title of my little message here. Be still. Let go of the anxiety. Okay? Be still. And know that I am God. Something to hold on to. Okay, Let go. Hold on. Okay? Now, the second part, I've been talking a lot about let go. Uh, second part is, is hold on. Hold fast. Embrace. Cleave. Okay, uh, Something to fill that void of what you let go. Something to fill that void. So you, you can't just say don't, 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 don't. Let go, let go, let go. What can you hold on to? So that's, that's I think, the second part of this aspect is holding on. So one thing you want to hold on to is the fear of the Lord. I said get rid of fear, but the fear of the Lord is something different. Okay? That is honoring, that's worshiping, that's, that's uh, knowing that he is that creator God who put things in place, all these coincidences that formed our planet, our universe, our galaxy. Okay? So Psalm 19, 9, the fear of the Lord is pure. Enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. That's something to hold on to. Very next one. Hold on to God's instruction. Proverbs 4.13. Proverbs 4.13. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well. For it is your life. Guard it well. Hold on to God's instruction. Come to church. Listen to the preaching. Go to the lessons. Read the scripture. Hold on to the instruction. Hold on. Guard it well. For it is your life. For it is your life. Now this one for God's plan for your life, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And probably all the kids should know that one. Okay, we, we tried that one for memorization. I know uh, kids when they were very young, let, this is one of the first scriptures we memorized, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. He will make your paths straight. Okay? So you hold on, trust in the Lord. God's plan for your life. That's what you want to hold on to. God's plan for your life. Find that, and hold on to that. Keep a hold of that. Hold on to wisdom. Proverbs 3:18 talks about wisdom. She, she is wisdom. okay? It's a Solomon talking about wisdom. She is a tree of life, to those who embrace her. To those who lay hold of her will be blessed, will be blessed. Hang on, hang on. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed, okay? Other things, hold on to obedience, hold on to worship, hold on to the promises of God. Tons of promises of God, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, okay? Hold on to those promises that, you know, we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. So there's a condition. You let go of uh, other things that you love. Love God. Okay? Let go of that. Hold on to the love for God. And the God who knows and loves you work all things for good. And then John uh, 16.33 and This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that uh, in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay? Those promises, those things that, that we need to just hold on to. Now, the last part, hang on. Hang on. The ride is going to get interesting. Okay, You've let go of the things you need to let go. You hold on to the things you need to hold on to. Now, this expression is in almost every movie <laughs> where the action starts ramping up. Car chases. You know, hang on. It's going to get crazy. Crazy plane uh, rides. Daring rescues. You know, even, uh, even back in the day, uh, the Christmas carol. Scrooge hanging onto the sleeve of one of the uh, spirits right as he travels back in time. Oh, you know, hang on, this is going to get good, right? This is going to get interesting, okay? Now, some other examples, uh, the Israelites, when they were led out of captivity by Moses, okay? They had to let go of, even though they were in slavery, they had to let go of their comfortable settings. They had to let go of their homes, okay? They had to hang on, to, uh, hold on to the words of God through Moses, and as a result, they had to hang on. They had to survive all those plagues. They had to, uh, you know, pack up and go. Uh, go through the, uh, the the Red Sea. They had pillars of cloud by day to keep them cool. They had fire by night. Hang on. The journey's going to get interesting. Okay, hang on. Disciples following Jesus. Let go. Let go of your livelihood. Let go of your uh, families. Hold on. I'm the Messiah. Hold on. I've got a better task for you. I've got a plan for you. Hold on. And now hang on. Because it's going to get rough. You need to hold on to those things. But hang on. Stick with me. It's going to get rough. It's going to get great. It's going to get there may be some trouble. Hang on. Hang on. Okay. this These three things kind of apply with other things. Now, some missionary examples. Um, one of the fellas, uh, his testimony I, I remember all the time is David Davis, who has since passed away, gone on to be the Lord. He had a, a, a successful acting career okay, in New York City. He let it go. When he got saved, he let that go. He hung on to the promise of the Messiah. He was Jewish, by the way, became a convert. Now he's holding on to the promises of of Jesus through the New Testament and the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And he goes becomes missionary, he and his wife Karen, to uh, Mount Carmel Assembly in in Israel, uh, where they saw things. They started a healing ministry. Uh, folks that were on drugs. Folks were on uh, alcoholics. Um, folks from all sorts of areas. That uh, They had Russian Jews that come in, all these people that come into Israel. Uh, they ministered to the Arabs. They ministered to the Palestinians. They ministered to the Jews. He, he had to hang on. I mean, there was a lot of work of the Holy Spirit going on going on there. Chuck Colson, uh, he was high and mighty in the cabinet of uh, Richard Nixon. Okay? Gets caught doing illegal things, but he had to let go of his pride, let go of uh, his position. And he gets arrested. And in the process, he becomes crazy on fire for the Lord. He holds he on to the promises. Doesn't get him out of prison, but in prison, God had a use for him. Coming out of prison, ministries turned his heart, changed his heart, but he had to let go. He had to hold on, and then he hung on for a wonderful ministry. Just held, you know, hold on. So I think this, these life-transforming examples—you know, let go of pride and dignity, let go of—you uh, know, come to the altar. So you come to the altar, hold on to the Holy Spirit of God and the promises of the Bible, And then watch what happens, okay? So a couple of good verses, Isaiah 41, 13. I know I'm kind of fire hosing you with with Scripture, but is that a bad thing? Uh, In in the river, kids, uh, we're trying to do some Bible memorization, Okay? I don't know if it's easy for you all to memorize Bible verses or if it's difficult, but a uh, little story I remember from a long time ago is a little boy had so much trouble you know, memorizing verses and memorizing Scripture. So he talked to his grandfather. He says, Grandfather, you give me these Scriptures to memorize. I just can't. It's so hard. Grandfather said, See that picnic basket right there? He says, Take that down to the pump. It was out in the country. Take that down to the pump, fill it up with water, bring it to me. Little boy, being dutiful, gets the uh, uh, picnic basket, pumps the water, and of course a picnic basket won't hold water. It, it, It just rushes out. So he comes back with his picnic basket and says, Grandfather, I tried to put water in this picnic basket for you, but it just goes out. He says, it's kind of like memorizing scripture. He says, it may not stay, but at least it's a lot cleaner for going through, right? <laughs> anyway, that, that's why I tell the kid, don't be discouraged. You know, just keep doing it, keep trying. It. Anyway, Isaiah uh, forty-one thirteen. 13. Yeah. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand And says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Hang on. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Hang on. When When, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the blaze, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Hang on for the ride. It may not always be easy, but it's going to be an event. And God will be with you. He's promises God will be with you when these things happen. Uh, quite often, uh, I've been away with FEMA over the years, and th- there's some devastation. There's uh, some devastation. And these things happen to... The just and the unjust. I mean, it it's, uh, happens to good, you know, Bible folks. Not necessarily mean that we're going to, you know, keep your house from never getting damaged, uh, death never happening in your family, injuries. I mean, but hang on. God is with you with through the ride. Okay? Through the ride. He's going to be with you. My last verse, uh, John fourteen twelve. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. This is Jesus talking, okay? Whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing. The works that Jesus was doing, healing, you know, the the teaching, the miracles that he did. Jesus says, I tell you, truly, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these. Because I'm going to the Father. Hang on. Hang on. You're going to do greater things still. You're going to be doing greater things still. You know, also, hang on as your journey leads you into the afterlife. Looking towards the wonders of eternity with God in heaven. Can you imagine? There have been many documented near-death experiences in heaven. Jesus talks about heaven. And those near-death experiences, people from all walks of life, all ages, uh, attest to uh, the magnificence and the beauty of heaven and meeting Jesus and being in the presence of God. Fortunately, though, there are also many of these near-death experiences that attest to hell. Folks that have gone, come back, and had such vivid uh, vision of of, uh, tormenting hell. So as Jesus talks about heaven and hell, and these witnesses to heaven and hell know that... You have a choice. You have a choice. Hang on. Hang on to those things that you need to hang on to. Let go of those things you don't. And hang on for the ride. Book of Revelation goes into detail of the wonders of heaven. Hang on for the most breathtaking time of your eternal life. Coming up. What are you holding on to that you need to let go? comes down to that. What are you holding on to that you need to let go in order to spend the efforts that Buddy talked about a couple weeks ago? What do you need to let go? What is stopping you from taking that necessary effort? Are you holding on to your own wisdom? Are you holding on to your own uh, idols of entertainment, your own stubbornness, your own procrastination, bad habits? Are you holding on to fear and despair? Let it go. Make the decision. Make the decision. Ask God for help. But make the decision. Is it worth holding on to? Let go. It's not worth it. And what do you need to hold on to? What do you need to hold on to that you perhaps haven't embraced so much? Or maybe you used to embrace and you need to hold back on. What are the promises of God that perhaps you take for granted? Okay? that you only hold loosely to. Okay? Grab a hold of his promises. Hold on to your calling. Take hold of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God has for you and the power that he brings. And then be ready to hang on for the adventure that God has planned for you. Be amazed. Be in awe. But hang on. Strap in. Buckle your seatbelt. Eh? This may get bumpy. This may get dangerous or exhilarating, but this is going to be great. This is going to be great. You know, today, as you see, we've got communion uh, laid up and prepared. And I couldn't think of a better opportunity. I'm always so happy when we have an opportunity to, to have communion uh, today. And those of you that are, that are home watching, uh, even if this is days later, go ahead, uh, prepare, grab you know, some bread, some popcorn, cornflakes, whatever substitutes for bread, uh, some juice, if you have it. And let's prepare, let's prepare our hearts. Here at Living Waters, uh, you don't have to be a member of Living Waters Church to take communion. But if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in God Almighty, he that made all those coincidences happen so that life could be here on earth, so that you could be here in this seat or here on screen watching this, this sermon, okay? if you believe and you want to partake and you want to continue the season of thanksgiving, to continue the season of thanksgiving, this is the opportunity to do that. What we'll ask is... Um, uh, if I, I like having the communion up front, I like approaching the altar. Don't have to take it here. Come get it. Take it to your seats. Maybe you, many of you already have it in your hands. Great, that's fine. For those of you out in the gathering place, if uh, somebody could perhaps uh, help serve you, bring some uh, of the elements out to you. That'd be that'd be wonderful. Okay. But let's continue in the in the mode of thanksgiving to our Lord Jesus who died on the cross for us he took the bread broke it this is my body same God who prepared planets and and the earth and life had a plan had a plan for you on top of all that stuff you are doomed to die if you don't accept me Come through me. Remember this: take the bread, take the juice, take the wine. This is my blood spilled for you—an act of love. And we're just remembering, and we're coming in with Thanksgiving. Come take it on your own if you want to spend some time at the altar. That's that's uh, fine. Uh, as we play, we'll take the elements on our own. I'll come back. I've got a Thanksgiving prayer that uh, I'd like to share with you at the at the end like the mode of thanksgiving this is on the uh, dutch sheets thanksgiving day uh, give him 15 and i thought it was worth sharing uh, thanksgiving prayer and proclamation gracious father we are in this blessed nation we give you thanks today america was your idea you had in your heart to form a nation of nations, numerous Native American nations, Asians, Europeans, Africans, Latinos, and more. Though the journey and process has at times been painful, even evil, due to our selfishness and rebellion, your sovereign power overrode our flaws and formed the United States of America. And we thank you. We are well aware that Forming America was not just for our benefit, but like Abraham of old, was a covenantal partnership for the purpose of redeeming the world from sin and its curse. We are honored beyond words to be part of this plan and agree with the words of Robert Robert Hunt at Cape Henry in 1607, The gospel of the kingdom will go forth from these shores, not only on this land, but to all the nations of the earth. We thank you for preserving us in times of war, disease, sin, and chaos. In the war of our birth, we were saved through an appeal to heaven. In the horrible civil war, you preserved us through incredible bitterness and loss of over half a million soldiers. Sons, husbands, fathers, brothers. In two world wars, you preserved us from evil. From demonized despots intent to rule the world. Through all the trials and all the years, you, Lord, have been faithful. We thank you for the incredible prosperity we have enjoyed due to our partnership with you. Though some try to convince our people you had nothing to do with this, that America does not need your gracious hand of blessing, we know this is untrue. Lord, unless you build the house, the labors work in vain. Unless you protect the city, the watchman wakes in vain. You have blessed this nation. This nation of you, through you, and to you are all things. Thank you, gracious and beneficent God. And we thank you today for our Savior, the Messiah, Christ Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man. Thank you for your sacrifice in becoming a member of the human race. Thank you for discovering what hunger feels like for experiencing the pain of a loved one's death of rejection and betrayal. Thank you, Jesus, for walking dusty roads to heal diseased bodies, taking detours to redeem thirsty hearts, spending sleepless nights praying over your assignment. Thank you for exposing the futility of religion, the evil of pride, and the power of love. Thank you for revealing the Father to us again and making a way for us to find and reconnect with him as our Abba. Thank you for paying such a high price for this, the beatings and the lashings, Gethsemane, the mocking, the crown of thorns, the wrath of hell, the hideous cross. Thank you. And gracious Father, wonderful Savior, and blessed Holy Spirit, though we as a nation have dishonored you, rejected you, and mocked you, your love endures. Though we have worshipped idols, embraced false religions, shed innocent blood, defiled your marriage covenant, and expelled you from our schools, causing our children to reject you, Your mercies endure. Through our government in pride, deception, and rebellion has risen up against you, rewritten your laws, legislated murder and immorality, and has determined that you are no longer welcome in their functions and procedures, you have demonstrated amazing patience. And though the church should be your instrument, of preservation from these ills. We've grown lukewarm, complacent, and ineffective. Yet, in spite of these and many more evils, you have said you are coming to save us again. You have promised to renew our purpose and destiny, healing our brokenness, and returning our hearts to you and to one another. Our prodigals are coming home. A lost generation is being found by you. The fire of passion is returning to the church. Millions will be saved and America will be reformed. We decree this. We proclaim this. We will once again become a powerful voice of the gospel of the kingdom throughout the earth. Partnering with you through the power of the Holy Spirit. For this, we give you thanks, Yahweh. I believe that there's a coming revival. I believe that will help trigger that just for hearts, for people to let go of those things that God wants us to let go of, to hold on to those things that God wants us to hold on. And just by the nature of revival, Hang on. Hang on. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Thank you for coming. Lord, I ask your blessing on uh, this congregation as we're dismissed today. Uh, We ask for safe travels. We ask that your words through the Holy Spirit touch each and every heart. That you meet each and every need. That we reach out to each other that we continue to be abandoned to you and compassionate towards each other and to those we've yet to meet. Living Waters, as you leave the parking lot, you're entering the mission field. Do it well. Amen.